Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. Also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application learning product on the market today. And finally by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And now some news. This week, Microsoft provided more information on the upcoming release of the Chromium-based Edge browser. The browser will be available on January 15th. That's not news per se. I covered it on the podcast a few weeks ago. They have now confirmed, however, the new browser will get deployed to Windows 10 users via a Windows update and that they intend to provide new feature updates every six weeks. They've also stated that security and compatibility updates will be shipped as needed. Some of the things to know going into the Windows update is that all start menu pins, tiles, and shortcuts for the current version of Microsoft Edge will migrate to the next version of Edge. All taskbar pins and shortcuts for the current version of Edge will migrate to the new version. The next version of Microsoft Edge will be pinned to the taskbar, and if the current version of Edge is already pinned, it will be replaced. The next version of Edge will add a shortcut to the desktop. If the current version of Edge already had a shortcut, it will also be replaced. Most protocols that Microsoft Edge handles by default will be migrated to the new version. Current Edge will be hidden from all UX surfaces in the OS, including settings, all apps, and any file or protocol support dialogues. And also, all attempts to launch the current version of Microsoft Edge will redirect to this new version of Edge. According to a NeoWin.net article, Developers can now also submit their extensions for Microsoft's new Chromium-based Edge browser. If you're a developer and you have a Chromium extension, it likely won't take any additional work to port it to this new Edge. Over the last two years of doing the podcast, there have been a lot of stories about issues with various Windows 10 releases and update problems. It's been a pretty bumpy road. WindowsCentral.com reports this week that Microsoft is changing how it develops and rolls out Windows 10 for testing. Starting with this week's build, Microsoft will no longer designate preview builds that roll out to the fast ring as part of a specific release of Windows 10, which means from now on, builds released to the fast ring can include features that might not show up to the immediate next public release of the operating system. Essentially, they are going to use the fast ring as a perpetual beta ring, putting new features into the ring on a more frequent and recurring basis, while the slow and release previews would be more reflective of what makes it through that testing and is more likely to feature in upcoming builds. Let's hope this approach proves more fruitful for Microsoft. If you're in IT, which you are if you're listening to this, please do a solid and join the fast ring on your Windows 10 machines at home. It's for a pretty good cause and should make all of our lives a little bit easier. Citrix have publicized a vulnerability, CVE-2019-19781, 
which affects Citrix Application Delivery Controller, or ADC, which is formerly known as Netscaler ADC. And also with Citrix Gateway, formerly known as Netscaler Gateway, that could lead to arbitrary code execution. There doesn't seem to be much info provided by Citrix, and MITRE shows the CVE was reserved on MITRE.org, M-I-T-R-E.org, on December 13th, but nothing has been entered in as of the time of this recording. The affected products include Citrix ADC and Citrix Gateway version 13, all supported builds. Citrix ADC and Netscaler Gateway version 12.1, all supported builds. Citrix ADC and Netscaler Gateway version 12.0, and all supported builds. Citrix ADC and Netscaler version 11.1, all supported builds. And finally, Netscaler ADC and Netscaler Gateway version 10.5, all supported builds. Citrix have provided mitigations that mostly require executing commands on the systems. There are too many to talk through on the podcast, and customers are being advised that they should then upgrade all of their vulnerable appliances to a fixed version of the appliance firmware when released. You can check out CTX267679 for more information. Like I said, right now it's pretty vague. I'm assuming they're going to fill in more information pretty soon. The HackerNews.com has reported Adobe today released updates for four of its widely used products, including Adobe Acrobat and Reader, Photoshop, CC, ColdFusion, and Brackets. In total, they're patching 25 new security vulnerabilities, 17 of which have been rated as critical in severity, with most of them carrying high-priority patches, indicating that the vulnerabilities are more likely to be used in real-world attacks, but there are currently no known exploits in the wild. Photoshop and Reader patches are available for both Windows and Mac OS. So as always, get patching. While this week was the last Patch Tuesday of 2019, a quick reminder that January 14th, 2020 will be the final Patch Tuesday for Windows 7. That is, if you do not have extended support. In my own little Patch Tuesday warning, a recent patch installed on a Server 2008 R2 machine that I was using for hosting VMware vCenter had a pretty catastrophic impact. The patch enabled the branch cache feature, which on reboot stole port 80 from the VMware Virtual Server service, which in turn led to me being unable to log into the old school vSphere desktop client at all, and when logging into the web client, it just showed up as empty. Not surprising as the service was unable to start, so essentially it banjacks the entire vCenter. Once BrashCache was disabled, all was good again. Thanks go to VMware support for helping me figure that out. Without them, it probably would have taken me a lot longer. TechCrunch.com have reported that Cisco have acquired Exablaze an Australian company that designs and builds advanced networking gear based on field programmable gate arrays. The company focuses on solutions for businesses that need ultra-low latency networking with a special emphasis on high-frequency trading. Cisco plans to add Exablaze to its Nexus portfolio of data center switches. 
The company also argues that in addition to integrating ExoBlaze's current portfolio, the two companies will work on the next generation switches with an emphasis on creating opportunities for expanding its solutions into artificial intelligence and machine learning segments. Office 365 had an outage in the East U.S. region this week. It seemed to be affecting customers for about three hours. Microsoft confirmed they have now corrected what was an issue with a third-party networking provider and have validated through monitoring the service that it has been restored. The city of New Orleans in Louisiana has declared a state of emergency as the city's computer systems came under a ransomware attack. Quick Thinking Management used an emergency alert system to instruct all employees to power off their computers and to get off of the Wi-Fi. As of right now, there is no confirmation of who the threat actors are in this case or of what strain of ransomware has been used. NOLA.gov the city's website is currently down for maintenance, or at least that's what the homepage says. The police department are currently operating without their systems too, but it has been confirmed that emergency communications are not currently affected. If you happen to be a resident of New Orleans, the NOLA.gov website does still have links to some services that would be important to city residents. Uh, most of those links, obviously, all of those links, actually, are linking off to other external sites. I have to say, this really sucks so close to Christmas for those IT workers. I hope they're able to recover all data and prevent further spread while getting the systems back online soon. And to add to the miserable ransomware news, Hacker News has reported on a new variant of the Snatch ransomware, which reboots victims' machines and boots into safe mode in order to avoid detection from an antivirus program. It said it uses the net.exe executable, which is available when in safe mode, to halt the super backup man service, and then uses the Windows component vssadmin.exe to delete all of the volume shadow copies on the system, which prevents forensic recovery of the files encrypted by the ransomware. So that sounds terrifying. It's pretty scary times. Windows Virtual Desktop support has arrived on iOS via the latest Microsoft Remote Desktop app that is now available in the App Store. Google have announced a bunch of strategic partnerships for their Google Cloud platform that includes McAfee, Palo Alto Networks, Citrix, and Qualysys. McAfee, Palo Alto Networks, and Qualysys are partnering for their agent-based endpoint security, also McAfee for their container platform, and Citrix for their Citrix workspace. It's cool to see GCP get more serious about running these types of loads in their cloud, or rather put it front-facing. It seems like they've been doing a good job on the microservices side of things and promoting themselves in that space, so it's great that now they're maybe getting a focus and promoting the enterprise virtualization and EUC load. If nothing else, the increased competition for AWS and Azure will benefit all of us as customers. RDP Soft's Remote Desktop Commander version 4.8 has been released, 
which brings with it new features for WVD management and monitoring, ability to live monitor and report user input delays on Server 2019 and Windows 10. And also they have a promo for WVD deployments and customers purchasing multiple products in December. If you listen to the podcast a lot, you may remember me covering the Microsoft Your Phone app that is already available on Windows 10. I tried it out myself, but I found it quite limited at the time. Now, AndroidCentral.com reports that you can make and receive phone calls through your PC via the Your Phone app. I currently have something similar on my PC through Alienware's software. It could be really handy. You get alerts on your monitor when receiving calls and could just take them with your mic and headset if you want or take them on your phone. I find it reduces the number of times I look at my phone while working, which makes me more productive. Note the date because it's pretty monumental. Microsoft is set to introduce a Mailstorm protection feature into Office 365. It seems like it's such an obvious thing to do and it's shocking that they haven't done this before. According to a bleepingcomputer.com article, the new Reply All Storm Protection planned to arrive in Exchange Online during the third quarter of 2020 works by detecting when Reply All Storms happen or are likely to happen and automatically blocks those involved users from replying to each other for a limited amount of time. During this so-called cooldown phase, the email service will deliver a non-delivery receipt message, also known as like that bounce back message, that will prevent them to reply to the message sent using Reply All. The temporary block will be active for several hours, usually enough time to dampen end user enthusiasm to reply to the thread and thus curtail the storm before it gets started or before it gains much momentum. Some of the popular SysInternals tools have received updates this week. Sysmon version 10.42 is out. This update to Sysmon addresses a number of memory leaks and introduces the excludes any and excludes all filtering conditions and also resolves a number of bugs. Zoomit version 4.52 is also out, which resolves a number of dual monitor related issues. And finally, Whois version 1.21 is also released, and it contains various bug fixes. So I don't want to sound like a broken record, but if you actually listen to the podcast week to week, it won't come as a surprise, but Citrix have just released the new LTSR version of Citrix Virtual Apps and Desktops. It's version 1912. So a couple of months ago, I reported that Version 19.12 was being targeted as the next LTSR release. And a few weeks ago, I talked about the possible release date for this, which, no surprising, today is the 18th of December that I'm recording this. So it's pretty much right on time for when we all figured it was going to be released. This LTSR version is going to bring a lot of enhancements compared to 715 and definitely for those who are still maybe on 76 and never made the jump to 715 there's much enhanced support for the linux vda with a lot more features including smart card support and citrix director integration 
there's just general director enhancements for all for all Citrix virtual apps and desktops users, no matter what flavor of operating system you happen to be running on. Greater user personalization through the Citrix app layering user layers. MCS has had some pretty significant enhancements to bring it closer to a similar feature set to PVS. There's enhanced Microsoft Outlook, Skype, and Teams support. And by far, the number one reason to move to this version are the significant performance improvements delivered through the newer versions of the VDA. GoEUC.com and ICT-R, formerly known as, have produced a couple of blog posts comparing VDA performance across different versions. And they have said that they're going to release a blog post soon that's updated to include this 1912 release once they've got it tested. But if you look at like 7.6 and 7.15 compared to even version like 18.11, I believe it was, the performance improvements are pretty staggering. So much so that I'd say if you haven't gotten off 7.6 yet and you're contemplating 7.15, it's probably better to maybe wait a few weeks Test out this new release, let it bake for a little while, and then deploy this instead. And now the weekly webinar. I struggle to find a webinar that's going to take place in the next week for obvious reasons, the holiday. So I decided to outsource it, and I just asked on Twitter if anyone had any recommendations. And a couple of people recommended that I highlight the great V brown bag sessions and content that are hosted over at vbrownbag.com. The site contains several tracks, including but not limited to AWS and Azure certification training, Python for DevOps beginners, a whole lot of content around virtualization with VMware. There's content from vendors like NetApp, Cohesity, and more, as well as these great Tech Talk features. If you've never checked it out before, I will share a link with this episode, which is episode 103 on fivebytespodcast.com. You'll find it under reference links, or alternatively, you'll find it included in this description field on your podcast platform of choice with this episode. And now the scripts, tricks, and tips. Benoit Lacours on systemcenteredudes.com shared a really handy script for creating SCCM collections based on Active Directory OU. It's something that I can't believe hasn't come up before in my working life. It seems so obvious to want to do this, and this script looks like a really great quick way to achieve it. Also this week, Dennis Moorman shared a script for getting the popular BG Info product to display a lot of additional information around Citrix virtual apps and desktops, device trust, and FS logics. He obtains the values using PowerShell and it's written to a registry key. So if you're a Citrix customer and or you use FS logics or device trust, this might be handy and it could streamline some like troubleshooting. If you've got that information right there on the desktop, it saves you having to go weed through somewhere else to find it. And finally, this week, Jerry Hampson shared a good blog post on working with FSLogix and Windows Virtual Desktop. If you haven't tried this out for yourself and you'd like to just jump in, 
you'll definitely want to read this blog post. It's very well put together and it goes through step by step. And I think every time I've mentioned FS Logics recently on the podcast, I've always called out the fact that if you're a Microsoft Enterprise customer, you own FS Logics now, whether you realize it or not. It's a really powerful suite of products. So even if you're not trying it out in Windows Virtual Desktop, you should really do yourself the favor of checking it out because it can likely add a lot of value to managing your current on-premises environment too. And that's it for another week. Thank you all so much for listening and have a happy holiday.